0: What happened to me in skateboarding is I didn't master the art or craft of it, but I got as high as I could have gotten in the professional aspect. I couldn't have made more money. I basically maxed out inside of skateboarding. And that feeling was really, really shitty. And this is kind of where it started transferring over into business is I realized that I love the journey of getting to the top. I hate the top though. So now in the business, I've picked something that there's no top, just understanding that it's not about the end goal for me. I love the process of feeling like I'm getting further.
1: Hey guys, and welcome to the Take Flight podcast with me, Mark Whittle a peak performance podcast where we speak with the best athletes and sports people in the world, the highest achieving entrepreneurs and the most influential lifestyle specialists. We do this to learn how we can be better each day, how we can recognise and realise our true potential and be more aligned with our purpose. Plus, we do this just to hear some amazing, inspiring stories from some special people. Take Flight is all about encouraging people to take action towards their goals and ultimately take that leap of faith into what it is they really want to do. Last month, I literally took flight and travelled to LA. I landed in LAX and got a cab straight to Santa Monica, which is unreal if you haven't been before. And my first full day was one of the best days in my recent life. I woke up in a beachside hotel, watching the sunrise on Santa Monica Beach. Met a mate of mine after sunrise and had a workout at Muscle Beach, then went to Earth Cafe for breakfast and coffee, and then went to meet the guests for this podcast episode. And all of that was before 11 AM. Jet lag definitely helped. So we met. Walked down to Santa Monica Beach together, sat overlooking the sea, the beach and the pier. It set the mood perfectly. There was an unreal energy throughout this entire conversation and I have to say this is hands down one of the best conversations I've ever had. With one of the nicest, most inspiring and most successful people I've spent time with. Now I still get comments about the episode I dropped last year with Ed Marlet and it was a fantastic conversation and I loved that. But I have to say this is right up there in my opinion. It truly is one of my favourite conversations. So the guest for episode 61 of the Take Fight podcast is the absolute legend, Mikey Taylor. I can't speak highly enough about Mikey. He's a former professional skateboarder who came up when skateboarding was massively popularized globally, and he was at the forefront of that rise. He was signed to multiple brands, including one huge deal with DC Shoes, and he even had his own signature Mikey Taylorship. He achieved all he possibly could in the sport, and we speak about that in depth on this podcast. And then he switches attention to business he collaborated with friends of his in the industry, including one of the current number one skateboarders in the world, Paul Rodriguez, and together they built arguably the most successful craft beer company in California. The company is called St. Archer, they have breweries in California, and the beer is poured all over the country. I made a point of drinking St. Archer at every bar that served it when I was in California. Although I don't think that would help Mikey, because him and his business partners sold St. Archer in a huge deal to Miller Coors, which of course is one of the biggest corporations in beer in the world. And in case that wasn't enough, Mikey is now building a private equity company called Commune Capital. He's doing loads to educate people on finance and real estate. And on the side, he has a skateboard company called Sovereign. He's doing a million and one other things that I could talk to you about and mention here in the intro, but I'll let you hear it from the man himself. Before we jump in, you can follow Mikey at MikeyTaylor on all socials. You can follow myself at Mark Whittle underscore TF. And without further ado, please enjoy one of the biggest highlights Take Flight has had since its birth, sitting on the beach in Santa Monica with the legendary skateboarder turned entrepreneur, Mikey Taylor. Thanks for listening. Mikey, welcome to the Take Flight podcast.
0: Thank you. Pleasure be here.
1: Mate, it's a pleasure for me to be here. Do you want to explain where we are?
0: So we are in Santa Monica, uh, staring at the beach. Uh, this could be actually the best environment of a podcast I've ever been on. Yes,
1: I love that. Definitely mine. Easy. Yeah, it's amazing, man. So, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. So, what's been going on this morning, mate? What have you been doing? Oh,
0: this morning, uh, well, every morning for me starts off with me taking the kids to school. So, got them ready, dropped them off. From there, drove out pretty close to here uh, to hear about a new company that some people I know are doing. Uh, then, I shot over here to do this podcast. And then, I'm going to meet after this uh, with one of my partners. Uh, just a Different location, but business as usual.
1: And another great view. Yeah, another great view. <laughs> is that for commune? For commune. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amazing, man. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks so much, mate. It's my first full day here. Uh, I've already had a pretty busy morning. I went up to that, do you know, that Earth Cafe. Oh yeah, of course, mate. It's amazing. Yeah, it's a cool guy. Totally. Yeah. And then uh, met a friend of mine, and we went to Muscle Beach. Okay. Already. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and doing this bit now, so this is the highlight today. So I'm, I'm so glad we're doing it. So, what? Well, I'd like to start with really is because there's there's a couple of aspects that I'd like to speak to you about. First, from an athlete perspective. Mm-hmm. So this podcast is called Take Flight and it's face value about performance. So we speak with a lot of professional athletes about their kind of habits and routines and the things that allowed them to get to the top of the sport. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to talk to you about that. I've had largely um, team sport athletes on Uh, so it'd be awesome to get an idea from you from the skateboarding background. I've had surfers on in the past, which has been really cool to hear that side of it. Uh, And then, of course, all the incredible stuff you're doing in business. So hear about the transition away from sport and into what you're doing today. So I guess to start things off with, what does a a normal week look like for for Mikey? Or or is there even a normal week?
0: For me right now? Yeah. Uh, Man, there's not a lot of normalcy because we're at the early stages of a business. And for anyone who started a company, uh, everyone's doing everything. So it's like, I think the great analogy is you're trying to build the boat as you're sailing it in a sense. So there is not a lot of structure uh, to my life right now, but I would say the consistence are, I'm usually in the office twice a week. What days uh, of the week that is are to be determined. Um, and, and there's a lot of it depending on the stage run. Like if, if we're actively raising money, uh, a lot of my days are out meeting with people. Um, right now we just closed around. So we're not raising money. So a big focus is, uh, just building the business. Um, but no, it's all, I mean, dude, I'm in Santa Monica today, you know, uh, (laughs) yesterday I was in San Clemente day before that I was in the office all day in Westlake. It's, it's a little all over, all over the place, but that's kind of how skating was for me as well. Um, in, in some weird way I actually it's just comforting yeah yeah what,
1: what was the analogy that you said there about it always changing you said something at the beginning about
0: always changing yeah um, well oh, you're,
1: you're 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 driving the boat while it's being built oh yeah you're yeah. building
0: the boat as you're sailing it That's it. Oh, yeah that, because mate. basically you're cre- like when you start a company you're you're trying to create the structure or the infrastructure the systems mm-hmm. And that usually happens as you're building the business. So it's it's very rare that you're in a position where you go, okay, here's all the systems in place, here's everything in place, now let's bring yeah. it to market. It's man. usually bring it to market, and let's figure this yeah. thing out. Man, I love you that, though.
1: that's brilliant, because so many people um, aren't prepared to do that, so they never start the thing that they want to do.
0: Oh, totally, and I, I think too, it's it's funny, man. Yes, that that is one way to look at it. <clears throat> For me, I actually started finding comfort in the fact that knowing that's how it is for everyone yeah hmm. right like no one has it all figured out before they start a business everyone is trying to figure out the solution to the new problem that faces them always so i don't know how i took it was like okay crap if that's the case for everyone well then i could just get to go do it and i'm not gonna have everything figured out yeah. and i'm gonna have to create pro or create solutions to problems that's yeah. my whole world now <laughs> you know but yeah i think th- i think the The fear of not feeling like you have it all together uh, definitely stops people from doing it. Um, I guess the comfort I would give you is none of us do. None of us have it all figured out. So do not let that hold you back, you know?
1: Yeah. How do you get comfortable with that fear?
0: Oh, man. Um, That's a great question. I think for me personally, I don't know if you get comfortable with the fear until you've experienced it. And so what I've always had to do is just throw myself in without the opportunity to step back. Right. It's almost like, a, a it's the terrible analogy because no one ever does this, but it's like jumping in the pool before you know how to swim. Right. Yeah. Well, you're either going to figure it out or you're going to die. Right. So there's a, there, there is an aspect of that in which I followed is if I'm scared about doing something and I'm uncomfortable, I try to just put myself in a position where I can't back out yeah. and then I'm just forced to do it. Yeah. And then once you start doing it, then you start finding confidence in, in the idea that like, Holy crap, like I actually am pretty resilient. I actually can, you know, continue to push forward when things are getting challenging and and then that helps you start the next one Mm -hmm. and the next one yeah
1: amazing man such a good message i think you're you're essentially saying it's just about taking action isn't it and figuring it out look
0: that's everything yeah right i think for all of us like dude it's really fun to dream yeah you know it's really it's really fun to talk about what we want to do the hard part is creating what you're talking about and at the end of the day that i mean if you can't take action then you don't do anything yeah you know it's just it's just there's a different way to get yourself to to, uh, what would you call it? Take action. Yeah. You know, you just got to find out what your process is. I know my process now, but that might not work for other
1: people. Mm. So, is it literally just throwing yourself into it? That's your process. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I what I like doing is like, uh, for me personally, I, uh, I don't like when I feel like I'm letting people down. That's mm. something that I've, I've had since I was a kid.
1: Fear of responsibility. Yeah.
0: So, so, what has worked for me is I tell everyone what I'm doing everyone this is what I'm doing this is what I'm doing and then I start being conflicted by that inner struggle of oh my gosh if I back out I'm letting people down in yeah. some weird way yeah. that's my way to like okay look I've told everybody now I don't have an, an option yeah. out I
1: have to do it mm. you know so they keep you accountable
0: I keep you yeah and I think it's like it, I learned this from skating with, with skating it was so scary what we were doing that you have to learn ways to trick your mind to let your body to go out and do it right yeah. and I think that's the case for everyone you just have to find out what your like mental hack is yeah you know for me I, I got the mental hack I had to learn that from skating and then I just have learned to apply it into everything else but yeah. that's all you're doing you're trying to trick your mind I, I, it, I, I swear to you that's all you're doing because <laughs> your mind doesn't want you to do it because it's scary so you got to figure out the way to like you know fool it <laughs> yeah
1: so what would be an example like let's use a skateboard in an example yeah okay where you're about to do something like if you pick a trick that's particularly difficult or maybe even one that you remember that was like a really scary thing for you to have to push yourself to do mm-hmm. what would that what would that look like oh man so
0: there were two things that i would have to do through my mind what i would do is like I'd try to convince my mind that if something went wrong, I had an exit out of it. So if I didn't ollie correct, I could put my foot here, jump down there, roll out of it, and I actually wouldn't get hurt, right? Now, if that was really gonna happen or not, who knows? But I was trying to like ease my mind that there was a backup in case something went wrong. If I couldn't get myself to do that, I would have to make these outrageous bets. I was always the bet guy. Like, I'd look at my friend and go, hey, you know what, dude? If I don't try this one, I'm going to give you $1,000. Really? Oh, yeah. And he'd be like, are you serious? I'm like, yes, I will give you $1,000 <laughs> oh, if I don't right. try it. So then I I had to, like, come up with a way to force myself to take action. And, and you know, whatever it was, the thought of losing the bet was worse than trying the trick. And then <laughs> I would try the trick,
1: you know? <laughs> so what... That's amazing, man! I can't believe like so you've obviously got such a big commitment to yourself. What is it that you that drives you? Because you've had such success, and we're going to get into the, the how you got to skateboarding and in the businesses okay. in, a, in a bit. Yeah. but you've had such success in sport as well. A lot of people would have been satisfied with just going. You know, I've been a professional skateboarder. I've had a really great career there. But then you've gone on to do amazing stuff outside of sport as well, and in business, and you're continuing to do so. Like, is there one thing in particular that makes you want to get better and, and that drives you on? <laughs> That's such a good
0: question. That's probably a deeper question than uh, most of us realize. Mm. Uh, and I haven't like taken the time to really like go back and I find out why I a- <laughs> actually am driven uh, because that could be like a, a <laughs> dark thing. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, from what I do know, though, uh, there was... Okay, so I have to start with skating for this to make sense. Mm. When I started getting good at skating, uh, I started... Like every time I would learn something new, I felt accomplished. And I started really enjoying that feeling. Right, I'd come home and, and feel like I won the day because I learned a new trick, or I filmed a trick, right? Yeah. And skating was so hard that I never got to the point of mastering it. So it was like I was always climbing to try to feel that feeling again.
1: You still feel like that, you
0: never mastered it? Oh, I never, you can't, it's impossible to master skateboarding. No one will ever do it, it's too hard.
1: Okay. So so you can master parts of it, maybe.
0: You can, well, you can become incredibly good at parts, but with how skating moves with, so basically what would happen is, you know, I would see what the pros are doing on the videos, right? And what I was seeing is all the pros landing the trick every try. What I didn't see is that they would try that trick for hours. Mm. I was only seeing it one time. So that when I started skating, I thought that they were doing it every try. And natural progression was now I started being able to land the tricks that took them hours every single try. Ah. And then it keeps happening in cycles, right? So you might have a moment where, oh my gosh, like I am great. And then the next year, there's all these kids that are better than you that have raised the bar. And now you're looking up at the bar again, Mm. you know? So it's this cycle that you just can never master. Yeah. Uh, so there's an aspect of of that side where I like accomplishing. What happened to me in skateboarding is, yeah, I didn't master maybe the the art or craft of it, but I got as high as, high as I could have gotten in the professional aspect. I couldn't have made more money. Uh, I basically maxed out inside of skateboarding. And that feeling was really, really shitty. And this is kind of where it started transferring over into business is, I realize that I love the journey of getting to the top. I hate the top though. So now in the business, I've picked something that there's no top, just understanding that it's not about the end goal for me. I love the process of feeling like I'm getting further. It, it, it's, a, it, it's almost maybe similar to a drug, and I know that's a terrible comparison, but like when I come home and I feel accomplished and achieved, I feel great. I feel proud of myself i feel like i did it and i like the feeling of feeling good you know now why i started this whole conversation with that could be like a deeper yeah meaning yeah. to that i don't know <laughs> but like look i like feeling good yeah yeah
1: 100% <laughs> me too you know i
0: like challenging myself i like doing something that i don't think i can do yeah. and then doing it and going oh my gosh like, I'm proud of me. Like, this was, I can't yeah. believe I did that. Like, finding you know? new
1: boundaries for yourself. Yes, 100%. Like, I heard a really nice thing the other day. It was like how we walk upon the ceilings that become new floors. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting, you said about the journey as well. There was, I actually went on this retreat about a month ago, which was really powerful. And um, I was listening to a podcast on the way there, and I think it was an Aubrey Marcus podcast. Which is obviously a bit of a deeper one, anyway. So this is probably why it links in. But he said, um, or he quoted somebody else. I think he said it originally. But happiness is recognizing that the reward is in the journey mm. and the process, not in the outcome. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd, and then I sat on that quote for the whole three days. <laughs>
0: yeah. It, well, it's funny, man. You look at all the people who have achieved something great, and they all say the same thing, right? It's the ones. It's it's us that are like haven't felt that yet. That keep chasing it, but like once you feel it, it's like. You look back, at least with like, with skateboarding, with St. Archer, all the times that felt the shittiest in those journeys, looking back were actually the most fun.
1: That's amazing. And
0: I actually, I, I hang on to that now with every company I do. Last year was like incredibly challenging uh, with Commune, just because it was new and there was so much we had to do. And I remember like coming home going, oh my gosh, this is just like insane. This is so hard, right? and then like it thank god my wife she's like hey just remember you're always talking about how great these moments are once you've gotten past it yeah. and then i started telling myself that and even, i mean we have so much more to do but even looking back a year later i'm going gosh you know what i know how shitty it felt but that was amazing yeah. like we were doing so much
1: <laughs> you know so that's so powerful though man do you know what it's something that was literally front of mind for me yesterday um as a as an extension to this podcast i started doing some events Um, Around various topics around like mindset and stuff, and the last one we did was about overcoming adversity, Mm -hmm. and uh, and and really trying to shift people's perspective on how they look at challenge in their life, which Mm is what you've just summed up perfectly there. But in the moment, and especially the day leading up to, I was had such bad anxiety, man, Mm -hmm. and I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Why am I putting myself through this?" Mm -hmm. And even at moments during it, even like stood up there talking in front of all these people and Mm -hmm. all this stuff, and I had. I was feeling like, am I doing this all right? Like, is this going okay? And then I watched it on the flight because we had a videographer record the whole thing and I watched it and I was like, it was fucking great. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, like, yep. the emotions that I felt didn't match how it looked on the screen. a yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%, I think that's powerful, what you just said,
0: because if you didn't know better, you would think that that feeling is your body saying, this is a gut feeling that you're doing something wrong. Maybe th- this is my body telling me I should stop. I think that's naturally what we would think when something like that happens. From all of my experiences, that feeling happens right before I'm about to do anything important. And so Mm. now I've recognized it as, okay, I'm going to get to that point. point, I'm going to question everything I'm doing. I'm going to try to convince myself to back out. That's my like reminder. Okay, you're going down the right path. Now push forward. You know, so I think it's like people talk about perspective change and mindset. I get like how it could come across as like really but there is actually something very important in it is the world is exactly what you see it as right and it could be the way I look at it can be completely different than you and vice versa I think there's a way to look at things though that allow you to accomplish more and that's one of them Mm. looking at yourself and your worries and fears as yeah that's like actually the trigger that's telling me to keep going yeah where other people look at that and go oh that's a gut feeling
1: I shouldn't do this yeah Mate, amazing i couldn't agree more yeah. man. so okay to get to the skateboarding stuff and how you kind of got into it in the first Kay. place finally <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we'll get that now was that a similar thing to what you were saying about what drives you now like the feel good factor was was that the underlying feeling or what was it that led you into the sport and kept you in it for such <sighs> a long time
0: oh man it was like
1: two decades right yeah two almost
0: two decades now yeah. um holy crap no 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 i'm beyond two decades i'm like 24 years skateboarding now yeah so (laughs) it's funny man when it when it first grabbed me i remember exactly what we were talking about earlier the way i looked at the world had changed and prior to skateboarding something as simple as a set of stairs or a handrail that you would use to walk down those stairs i never looked at that those things as being a skate spot so when i started seeing people skate down them it was like Oh my gosh! Like I've been seeing everything in black and white now I'm That's seeing awesome. color, and then the way I looked at the world was what could I skate in this world and I remember being so like call it empowered. I was like, oh my gosh, this world's so much bigger than I thought it was, and that was like the first feeling to skating yeah. and then <laughs> there was a part of it back then where prior to skateboarding, everything I did was team sports and like i'm I am a very competitive person, but with team sports you're competitive as a team.
1: What team what team sports? Uh
0: prior to uh skateboarding I played hockey. Yeah, nice. And uh and you grew up over here? Out here, yeah. Yeah, yeah we had I was on a travel team. We used to go to uh Canada every year for tournaments nice. and but but you know, when we would lose, I remember thinking like we would all lose. And there's something that's cool in that, but but there's something that I didn't like in that as well. And when I started skateboarding, it was the first time that the competition became against me and me only. Mm. And I remember really liking that, that it was like, okay, you're at war with yourself. I don't care how good anyone else is. Like this is the first thing that I can go against me at. And that was like, okay, that grabbed me. And then just the culture of skateboarding and, yeah. and how different and unique it was back then. It was just like all these elements that just
1: took over. That's amazing. Do you know what something that stu- stood out there? Like when you spoke about like a handrail that suddenly changed the way that you looked at the world almost when people, well, that, that you said it f- almost empowered you, gave bring, brought you joy. Yeah. When people go the other way, right? And people will experience stuff of mental health. Totally. It's, it comes from the same thing, right? Suddenly you've had your perspective shifted on the way that you view the world but in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome to hear how like a sport like skateboarding can, can turn you like, on to that positive yeah. side of things. Yeah.
0: That's actually so powerful you said that. It, it's true. You can have a negative experience that changes the way you look at the world. Mm. Then you need to fight to have another experience that changes it back. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a, you know that Mark Manson book. Um, I think it's called Everything is Fucked. No, I haven't, re- I haven't read that oh, yet. Oh, no, you'd love it. Okay. You'd love it. So, it's, uh, yeah, it, I can't remember exactly what it says in it, but it's something like um, anxiety is the change of feeling like there's nothing to live for in the moment, I think it was. And then depression because yeah. there's nothing to live for in the future. Yeah, de-
0: no, no, no. Depressions of the past, anxieties of the future. Yeah, okay. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a yeah, it's an incredible statement. Yeah, depression is you're 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 taken over, consumed, or fearful of something you've already done, mm. and feeling that that's defined you. Anxiety is the fear of unexpected
1: in your future. Yeah,
0: yeah dude, it's yeah. Dude, it's crazy, man.
1: And those things like so sports like that um, can provide you with things like flow state that just get you completely out of it, any sort of worry and. Well, dude, that's, that's, you're, you're right there. And that's,
0: as a kid too, I remember like skateboarding prior, before it became a job for me, skateboarding was my outlet, right? It was, it was the thing that I could go and do and, and take myself away from reality almost, right? As it became a career, it, skateboarding no longer became that for me. I had to find something else to have that type of release or getaway. Mm. But, uh, yeah, the flow state or just taking yourself out of thought, uh, there's a lot of things that could that, that can help that the challenge is you don't want to be out of thought always hmm. right there's a there's a difference between having a quick break and a forever break right something like you'd say drugs would be an all-time break right where i don't want to think about anything i don't want to have to deal with struggles i'm just going to remove myself always Something like skating was nice. It was like, I'm going to go skate for two hours. I'm going to just take all the concern and then I'm going to stop. Then I go back into the world refreshed Mm. and ready to deal with my shit. Yeah, amazing.
1: I guess that's like meditation is the same thing. Same thing. Do you you meditate? Uh,
0: I don't meditate, but
1: I pray. Okay.
0: So you you could argue that it's a form of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't... uh, What's that
1: look like? Like in the morning or what? In the mornings. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I have a more... Basically part of my morning routine uh, is for me a time to... uh, Get with God, yeah. ultimately. So I pray and kind of have a moment where see the, the difference of meditating is when you're meditating you're tr- you're trying to take yourself to nothing. Yeah, right. Like just absence of all thought. Mm-hmm. When you're praying, you're 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 actually having conversation. Yeah, right. So it's, it is different. The, the meditation, uh, I think it's good, but. Uh, it hasn't be- become a major part of my life. Okay. Actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want it to come off as negative. It, it just hasn't.
1: No. well, it, it's Everyone has their own ways of, yeah. of getting there, right? And I think essentially, tell me if I'm wrong, but the, the praying is ultimately just finding, yeah, you're getting in touch with God, but it's like it's a finding a place of gratitude. It's, true.
0: it's very true. Very, very true. Yeah.
1: It's absolutely right. Yeah. Um. All right. Amazing, man. And uh, just interested to know whether you've always prayed. Is it something that changed? Have you done that your whole life? or?
0: Yeah. Um, I've done it my whole life majority of my life uh but it's changed in a sense of how more dependent I've relied on it okay you know there's moments where I've you know I feel like I'm out here doing my own thing controlling my destiny yeah (laughs) and as I've gotten older I've definitely taken my hands off the wheels in a sense and kind of you know for example when I was younger, if something would happen, I would put myself at the root of having to change my situation. Oh, this sucks. I'm changing it. Right. As I've gotten older, uh, I've definitely gotten a position of like, I can't control everything. It's, 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 I'm being naive by thinking I can, I can't control everything. And and there's a, there is a part of comfort for me where, you know, if something's incredibly challenging my life or, you know, I'm overwhelmed by something, me praying to it is ultimately like giving it to God. Hey, you, you want this to work? Okay, do it. I'll let you have this one and I'll ride along with the outcome. Yeah. You know, that, that has, that as I get older, that is definitely becoming more prevalent.
1: Amazing. I've, I do a similar thing, but, um, it's the same thing really as God, but like, I see it's like the universe, mm-hmm. do the same thing, hand it over, like the universe has your back. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing it, ultimately you're going to get rewarded for it. And- yeah. Yeah, it's that kind of state of allowing, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, to talk about skateboarding again. Keep going off on this, like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead. life. Yeah, stuff. I'm fine <laughs> with that. I love it. <laughs> um, but was the the kind of big moment in your career and the tipping point was that getting that DC deal, or was that, or did it happen before then? Um, gosh. So I would say
0: there were probably three turning points or markers of of where my career changed. One, when I became pro, mm-hmm. uh, that was about. 19 years old and who was that with uh that was with a company called seek okay they're not around anymore rob Deirdick, if you know who rob Deirdick is rob dyrdek is actually who turned me pro it was his company oh, that he is it? yeah it was really cool <laughs> um and then from there when i was 23 i got my own signature shoe which is a huge uh staple or accomplishment inside of pro skateboarding because yeah. it's not easy to get a pro shoe and was that
1: with dc no that was
0: with dvs actually okay yep and then uh And then I think the next big turning point in my career was actually social media. It was one of those things where um, I had started like the challenge I always had from from when I was skating is I could only get as big as the companies that wanted to promote me. And all the companies had writers. So each sponsor I had, I could count on them putting an ad out of me every year, one ad a year and i that's it so like you know there was it's so different now but back then we were they were in charge as big as I wanted to get they were the ones that were going to get me there social media hit for me it was like oh my gosh this is like my moment to like become as big as I want to become and I, I don't I don't know why it happened early but I was one of the very first to see it and so what happened is prior to social media I just thought I was like a somewhat big pro Once social media hit, I would look back and go, oh my gosh, like me and four guys have more followers than everyone. Like this is actually pretty crazy. And then it was like the significance of what Was that
1: Twitter and stuff all?
0: It started on Facebook and then Twitter and then Instagram and then now all. Uh, (laughs) But I remember Instagram was the craziest one. Like I remember Mike Mo and I were in uh, Australia and we had, this is probably 2013 and we had hit 20,000 followers. And him and I looked at each other and like, dude, (laughs) <laughs> we can reach 20,000 people right now. This is crazy. And then it just went up. now you're like a million. That's crazy. Now it, I'm jaded to it. Now I'm just like, oh yeah, social media is like, everyone has it. But <laughs> yeah. back then it was like
1: the significance or the, the magnitude of what was actually happening was crazy. Yeah. So do you think that that exposure and that audience that you had drew brands like DC to you? Um, oh man, No. As weirdly,
0: no, because even with DC, when I signed my DC deal, they had no social media clause at all. It yeah. was before social media. They just like didn't, you know, w- what happened with DC is I had this web, this web series on the barracks, yeah, yeah which yeah. was like one of the largest skate platforms. Yeah. This was pre-social yeah. media. That changed my career. And so I, I, I think they saw that I was starting to build my reach. And then with like Instagram, I, they actually originally looked at Instagram and what I was doing and thought it was whack. They're like, why are you putting videos out on social media? Totally didn't understand it.
1: Because it was a video culture at the time, wasn't it?
0: It was video. But I mean, even no, this is what happened is people started getting Instagram and no skaters wanted to promote themselves because that is actually something like, you know, growing up in skate, you never promoted yourself. It was like a very humble culture. And so when we started putting ourselves up on our own Instagram, like a photo of me or a photo, a video of me skating, mm. it was uncomfortable even for me mm. because that was something that we were taught not to do. Yeah. So when I started doing it, like, dude, I remember like all my sponsors were like tripping. Like, why are you doing this? And then thank God I did. And yeah. now they followed, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't just me. Like Paul Rodriguez was really big. Like there was a handful of us, yeah. Paul, Mike Mo, yeah. Malto that, uh, we just were like,
1: we're doing this. And ultimately, some of the best skateboarders in the world at the time. Just so you led so the it, way. The, one, the ones that thought bigger. Yeah. Amazing. You know? Yeah. That's a really good message, though. Like, I'm, I'd be keen to hear your advice for people listening who might be doing their own thing, whether it, it might be a podcast. Mm-hmm. It could be another business. It could be public speaking. It could be anything. But getting attached to big brands like that, because I think there's a there's two ways you can go about it. You can either promote yourself and try and reach out to brands and do stuff or you can just work really, really hard and hope someone eventually mm-hmm. comes and That's right. speaks to you. So how, how would you advise people on that?
0: Uh, it's so funny. I'm on both sides. I've been on both sides now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a right or wrong. Uh, I think it more has to do with what your ultimate goal is. Um, if, you, you know, if you align yourself with brands, uh, it, it tends to be a quicker process right they just have the ability to get you out to more people yeah. um where if you do it yourself it's, it's you're playing the long game what i like about doing it yourself though is you have freedom in that like when you start doing deals with brands you there's a piece of you that you don't get to communicate anymore the brand tells you what to communicate uh and so it's just a different type of challenge for me where i'm at now like i want to say what i want to say i don't want to have a company tell me what to do anymore
1: are you sponsored by anyone at the moment to get no
0: point-wise? uh-uh just do it for the love of it. Yeah, but all for the love of it now. Amazing, right? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah.
1: So I, I'd like to hear as well, because I was saying before, uh, it's a peak performance podcast in essence. We have um, rugby players in the UK. I was mentioned we've had surfers on, mm-hmm. uh, f- soccer players, footballers, um, boxers, all different types of athletes. What is it that makes a peak performing skateboarder? Oh, that's such a good question.
0: I actually think it's probably similar to main sports or, or um, conventional sports. We'll let this play as helicopter fly by. <laughs> um, to me, it's the person who be- can not only become obsessed with their craft, but force themselves to do it when they don't want to is the deciding factor. Where most people you know like let's use skateboarding for example most people will go and skate as long as they feel like skating right there's a very few that will skate all day every day no matter what if they feel like shit they're skating all day if any if something hurts they skate all day it's you you got to find the person that's willing to just push themselves harder than everyone else and and that's all it is it's like a time in time out yeah you know
1: yeah, do you know the? Have you heard of the soccer player Lionel Messi? One of the.
0: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So I saw a tweet by him the other day. It was like the secret to my overnight success was I got in early every day. I stayed late every night for 17 years. <laughs> yeah, totally. 100 percent. 100 percent. I absolutely can relate to that. Yeah, it's interesting as well because I think like a sport like skateboarding because it is a lot of it is on your own time, isn't it? All so of it. you've got yeah, so you've got all the freedom in the world to inside mm-hmm. when you do it. Whereas I suppose in team sports you are forced to turn up to different trainings. and Bingo. Matches.
0: You just nailed yeah. it. 100 percent. Yeah. yo dude. When I played hockey, I. The hockey practice that was all yeah like with skating dude I would wake up in the morning I would skate before school I'd go to school I'd skate till it got dark I'd have dinner and I'd skate in my garage mm. it was just like it's every single second you can do something you need to do it yeah because it's it's there's too many of us out, out there that are good yeah. you know so what separates you from being better just time yeah, time and pushing yourself. That's all
1: mate. that's epic and what about like this is just something something I've been thinking about recently is like sacrifice because mm. uh, when you do put a of time into stuff and And you want to achieve something you do have to have sacrifices as well. Like mm-hmm. How'd you manage that?
0: Um, not well at the time. Okay. Um <laughs> it, it, I was young though like having the understanding of what I was sacrificing it was I just it wasn't even on my radar until I got older and then I started dating girls and then i got married and then i had kids and i had i was still sacrificing things that had become very important in my life so the struggle got more challenging as i got older when i was younger it was just you know if you were skating then you were my friend mm-hmm. if you weren't skating we didn't really have a relationship because yeah. i had no time to give you you know so when i was younger it was i what felt like i was sacrificing it was like girlfriends or parties mm. you know like social events yeah. i wasn't going to any of those i was just skating but it didn't feel like a sacrifice because it was like I was, I I had so much enjoyment in it.
1: It was like a pretty conscious decision. That's like, fine.
0: Hundred percent. As I got older, you know, that's when it started getting harder, by far.
1: So do you still struggle with it now, or not as much?
0: Uh well, yes, I still struggle with it. Just I am a lot better at it <laughs> <Okay>. now. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a look. I think a lot of it is a personality trait. It's like I am. Like when I do things, I just become consumed by them. And then to take it a step further, I think naturally I'm a selfish person. And so what has changed is I'm aware of what I'm weak at and I work hard at trying to have balance and, you know, trying to make my wife feel important, trying to be there with the kids, but I have to try harder at that than I do to just be obsessed with myself oh man that makes sense I, I
1: love that answer so yeah. much and I can really relate to it as well because I think I'm the same man Yeah, I was actually reading a book over here a little bit more, more of a light hearted book but he's an English uh, soccer player or ex-soccer player called Peter Crouch and he was speaking about the particular position that he plays which is a striker which is what I played as well you're you're you're, you're basically a selfish person mm-hmm. that's right <laughs> and I was just like I I, rec- I see it myself as well but this, <laughs> on that note this is a selfish question because I want to hear what, what your thoughts are about it but if you are sacrificing time now, when you're older with all these businesses and stuff, because the thing is that you love what you do, right? Mm-hmm. That's why you put time into it. That's right. Do you think that when you're coming away from it and giving your family and your children time and stuff, that it's it's affecting how quick you grow a business or how quick you achieve the thing you're after?
0: Um, okay, if, if I understood the question correctly, uh, are you asking that now ha- Now having a family, has it changed my strategy in which I
1: start? More, more like, more do you think... want to make sure I answer this one right. Yeah, yeah. More, more just like, do you think that now, when you, when you are consciously giving more time to your wife and your kids and you recognize that in the past you've sacrificed mm-hmm. that at times, when you sat, sat with your wife, for example, and you're trying to give her more time and, and make her feel loved and all these things that I try and do as well, do you think that that time you're then taken away from the other stuff you're focusing on is going to impact you achieving those things?
0: Okay. I love that. So my answer is going to be somewhere deep down inside. Yes. Or I wouldn't do it right. <laughs> or I would it wouldn't be so hard for me. Yeah. What I've experienced though is, and, and this has come into the last business. This has been the first business I've built with my wife and kids in mind. Oh, okay. And, and this is what's ultimately changed it's not so much that i'm working harder or not adam i just include them more in the process where with skating i never told my wife anything i was doing so she felt not only was i so focused on one thing but there was a feeling that she wasn't included in the thing i was focused on which kept that which created separation with this one, I try and now tell, hey, so this is what I'm up against. What's your opinion on this? So that it feels like she knows what I'm out doing and it feels a little bit more together instead mm-hmm. of individual, right? That's one thing. Two, and this is kind of where it comes into what I struggle with. You know, I would be home with the kids while I was skating, but that didn't mean I was there with the kids. My body was, I, I wasn't present. Yeah. And so that is a thing where i'm just working on okay if i'm with the kids my phone's down like they are getting my attention when i when i'm with the kids so that is just something i'm not great at um the the idea and this is something i think about all the time the idea that you're like when you're starting a business if you're you only have so much time in the day right so if you're giving time to your family does that mean the company's sacrificing possibly what i've started to become better at is not putting working smarter not harder if that makes sense and this is the benefit i've seen by it is with skating i felt like i had to do so much always to succeed right the challenge is that's a very uh it's an employee-like mentality believe it or not where you feel like you have to be doing all day long What has changed through my experience is once I was focusing on building something with my family in mind, I I tried creating a company that I ultimately could walk away from or a company that would operate without me. And so what happens is you start putting people in place that you naturally wouldn't to take on responsibility. And what happens is you actually grow a stronger business that way than you having to have control over the whole thing. And that's ultimately what most people struggle with is they won't scale a business because they're unable to take themselves away of control. Well, with me trying to figure out how to do it with a family, I had to give up control. Mm -hmm. And now I'm seeing the benefits of a company growing faster and more efficiently than anything I've done in the past. And in the past, it was all me all day.
1: Mate, that's you know? absolutely incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you, man. That's yeah. helped, that's helped me hugely anyway. Yeah. And the people that listen to this are, are people who would put 150% of their time if they could on the on the passion project and the business. So that's gonna help are You ready so for many.
0: this one? I heard this other day, I thought <laughs> it was pretty powerful. <laughs> when you start thinking about what success is, right? And and look, I I fall victim to this. I don't wanna say like I don't fall victim to this. I absolutely do. How I wanted to, like, represent myself in success is, oh, yeah, I am constantly working. That was, like, my almost, like, identity, even with skating. Like, like if you looked at me as a skater, I was the skater that outworked everyone. It was, like, more of a Gary mentality. Yeah. Hustle, 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 yeah. right? And I heard somebody say this the other day. I think it's so profound. Success is having the ability to do nothing. That's what success is. So, and, and it was actually Robert Kiyosaki that said it. Okay. He was like, so when I see people that are just like on the phones doing something all day, I don't see success. I see prison. You know what success is? For me, I don't have to do anything at all. I have, I have built up a system behind me where I could take off the next five years, do nothing and it it was just one of those hits of like reassurance like okay, that is a great way to look at it build something where you can ultimately step away
1: yeah oh man that sounds like a lovely life yeah. <laughs> just to chill yeah but not easy it's like it,
0: it's it's you know
1: it's not easy as you get older other
0: things become important like family and kids yeah. that's where like dude this is the this is a good this is a good way to say it being a dad is the hardest thing i've ever done being a husband is the second hardest thing i've ever done then business comes third, <laughs> okay. right? So it's like, really, as you get older, it's like you're trying to to successfully manage three of the hardest things you could possibly do. Yeah. The thing that sucks, I think, is when you see these guys who we idolize on the business front, like uh, Steve Jobs or Elon Musk or you know innovators, when you look at their family life, it's broken, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's one thing I just, I'm not willing to have. I'd rather like, okay, do I need a $14 billion company? With no family, or would I be more happy with a half a billion dollar company with an amazing family? Yeah,
1: you know, just I think that's that's it's more important at the end of the day. Yeah, amazing man, that's so good. Thank you, Mike. Yeah. So, mate, to get back to some of your story and and some of the stuff around the business side, okay, like it's been incredible hearing about you because I watched you as a kid when I was okay. getting into skateboarding myself as yeah. well. So it was amazing to hear, yeah, some of the stories and and some of the stuff you did with skateboarding. Um, how did it start when you got into St. Archer? Were you bought into that company with somebody that you knew? Was it your idea? Like, how did that come about? I was with
0: one of my friends who was a, a filmmaker. Okay. And we went to San Diego to film this video that I was going to be the star in. And we were going to take the train from San Diego to San Francisco. And we were going to stop in all these cities along the way and meet skaters in those cities and build a whole, make a whole film on it. And we were in San Diego. It was the first night of the film and uh mike mo called me and asked if i wanted to do a sunglass company which became glassy huh. and josh who was a filmmaker i hung up the phone i looked at him i told him you know dude mike mo asked me to do his company and that conversation led to the next four hours of us talking about business because his point right when i said it was dude sunglasses are cool but sunglasses are everywhere in our world like it'd be cool to do something that didn't exist and basically we talked about ideas for the next four hours. We ended up, you know, we were sharing a hotel room. So we went to sleep, we turned off the light and all of a sudden he goes like beer. (laughs) And I clicked on the light. I'm like, what? And he goes like beer. I was like, oh my gosh, beer. (laughs) Spent the next hour and a half talking about beer, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, abandoned the film, drove home, called Paul. And we're like, Hey, we're doing a brewery. Are you in? Come meet us off Canaan. We met him off Canaan and the next day us three were like okay we're gonna go create a brewery <laughs> that's
1: so good man i guess like, like taken from that it's just you're with people that you get on with anyway so you got a good relationship with these people yeah and then it's funny you said about like the prayer and like i talk about meditation stuff when you find that stillness mm-hmm. ideas come don't they like every time i go to bed within 30 minutes i have like the best ideas ever yeah. all day <laughs> well
0: that's actually a good point and it's funny i was listening to something on like that the other day you do your best thinking when you have nothing in front of you, yeah. right? It's why this big argument of of the phones or social media is taking away from uh, creativeness because we no longer want f- uh, downtime. It's boring for us, right? So the second nothing's happening, we pick up our phone, we go on Instagram, we go on TikTok, whatever we go on, right? And then we put it down once there's something else to uh, entertain us. Yeah. And what's happening is no one's taking that downtime to actually be creative. That's like a, a big concern that they're yeah. they're worried about for the next generation, uh and so I think that's a huge thing you just said, like yeah. allowing yourself to do nothing so that you actually start thinking about yeah. change.
1: Yeah, back to that amazing quote that you said about success is being able to do nothing. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's okay. So, I, uh, uh Kiyosaki takes credit for that one, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that was amazing. Change it, Mikey yeah <laughs>
1: All right, awesome, man. So what was the journey like with building the brewery? Because it was something that at the time, I think you were saying before we hit record, that it it had started to pick up, but Mm -hmm. generally speaking, it was kind of like you had light beers and some kind Uh of mainstream beers in the US, and that was was it.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, It's funny, Paul and I talk about this all the time. Uh, When we ended up selling it, Paul asked me, he's like, knowing what you know now, do you think we would have started St. Archer four years ago? And I was like, probably not really yeah yeah and he was like there's so kind of what we always talked about it was it was our naiveness that we went into it knowing nothing that ended up working but sometimes like knowing how difficult something is is scarier to go out and do it when you just don't know how hard it is and you jump (laughs) in and then you're like you're forcing yourself to figure out like we talked about earlier but you can really talk yourself off the ledge when you know everything that needs to go into it yeah we didn't you know so it was you know it was there was a lot of things that were hard about it in ways that I, I don't even know i was aware of how hard they really were um and there there was a component of it that uh we had partners and and josh who we started the company with was running it day to day so that allowed a lot of uh There was a part of it that he took on added stress. Mm. The hard part for us is we all bared the responsibility of something going wrong. We were all liable. Yeah. So it was was hard. It was so hard. It was scary, but it was fun. It was like when you have a brand like St. Archer and it was just like going off from the second we opened doors. Dude, it was just exciting. But like our challenge was running out of money. Uh, uh, Really like we couldn't grow it fast enough. We were never profitable. So we, had, we were raising money and it was, uh, I think the just the biggest challenge was growing.
1: Mm, the ultimate learning. I imagine an education, oh, everything.
0: Yeah. Oh, dude. Uh, yeah. Uh huh. I mean, dude, it's funny is my education's all experience based now. Yeah. You know, That's it was high best. school and then skateboarding. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. What yeah. were
1: the most, what were like some of the most challenging times with St. Archer? <sighs>
0: The, fir- the very first capital raise was pretty hard.
1: Mm. Um, Is it hard to win people around to a brewery because people want to invest in other stuff?
0: Well, they? dude, it was, it was two skaters and a filmmaker who were starting a craft brewery <laughs> with no <laughs> business sense at all yeah. uh, in an industry that was starting to boom. Uh, that was challenging. It was how was really did he get, challenging. How did you get buy-in for it? Um, so we started with like a friends and family round, yeah. which... Uh, We started feeling like a quick amount of success and then it kind of stalled out. And for us to, I think we got to, if I remember right, it was a two and a half million dollar raise and we got to like 700,000, 800,000 relatively quick. And then getting to the rest was pretty hard. Uh, And we had one guy who came on, uh, that took down a huge chunk that kind of changed that raise. So it was like, oh my gosh. We're here now. Did you, know? you,
1: did you have moments where you spoke about like universe providing or whatever it is? It provides that came at the right time for you. Did you feel like you you've been up against enough? You you'd, you're grafted, and then that came at the right time. You
0: know what's so funny? Yes, but I'm a big believer of as long as you're putting. I, I think this is a good way to look at it. If you step out in faith that's when you get to be directed or things happen it's when you don't step out that nothing will ever happen right so the people that get stuck in like let's say the analysis paralysis or the I, the, yeah. the conversation we had at the beginning of being scared of what's going to happen you're sitting behind the wall yeah right once you step out that's when opportunity or things can happen it just becomes a win not an if so if you're sitting out in the front and you stop and quit, well, then the opportunity is never going to come to you. Hmm. The argument is, if you can stay out here long enough, something's going to come to
1: you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> that was amazing, just like sticking with it. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, dude, I'm a big believer of like, it's not whether you're going to succeed or not. It's when you're going to succeed or not. It's just a time game. Yeah.
1: Do you know what? It's such a random thing to, to talk about, but I think it's like a pretty good small scale analogy to successes or like achievement. Whenever I'm looking for something and I'm not using my phone, like directions, this is, if I'm trying to find a coffee shop or the next meeting place or whatever, for some reason, it's always, I always get my phone out when I'm literally just around the corner.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I, I almost, I kind of like give up. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to find it. Like, yeah. And it's 50 yards away.
0: That, that just explains entrepreneurship to a T, <laughs> to a T. Oh yeah, dude, it's... You're always on the brink of quitting, (laughs) right? (laughs) And you always hear about people that quit. They quit and then something like happened that like they missed out on because they just quit too early. Or you hear about the things where like, uh, I'm not having a good example, I'm I'm not having a a reference right now, but you hear about somebody's business who like took a major turn for like in a huge way and they were on the brink of quitting. That's Dude, that's where greatness is found. Yeah, It's like right when you're on the brink of giving up, you know
1: scary to think how many people have given up most most yeah most people yeah
0: think about it the 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 wealthy wouldn't be one percent if that were the case Mm,
1: yeah amazing mate so just in case that wasn't enough you've gone on now to have a private equity company yes Yes. So, do you want to tell us a bit about commune and what you've been doing the last year oh yeah um so
0: (sighs) Where'd I even begin? <laughs> um, so we started a, uh, private equity fund, uh, and we invest in commercial real estate, develop, redevelop, repurpose multifamily apartments. Um, it has taken on, a, a. how would I even say it? It's become so much more, which has been pretty exciting to where, you know, we have funds that people get to invest with us. Uh, we are kind of becoming an education platform as well because so much of what what i want to do is teach people how to do it
1: what, around re- retail uh, well, real estate investment
0: it actually about money in general okay nice. about not only like behavioral fun- so it's funny man when i first started it it was i started it because i had a lot of friends that weren't preparing for the for the future and one of the ways that one of the things i invested in that basically allowed me to be in the position i'm in when when my career ended, was investing. And investing in storage units and apartment buildings was a huge component of it. And so I wanted to help other people do that. That's why I originally started the fund. And then what I ended up noticing is the things that I was taught at a young age about money, more behavioral finance and financial literacy is what put me in a position to even be able to participate investing. So I can't just offer the investment almost need to help people walk through what the investment actually is so that they're empowered to go out and do it and on their own instead of just having me do it right and so the education component came there and then it was like as we started investing in these communities uh, we noticed that like we loved building kind of what was more than a home for people and it was so special but we saw that there was so much more we could do in the community so we're now about to launch a. Uh, a give back component so every community that we uh, invest in we also give back to that community so we raise money we have benefits to to give to the city and in, in whatever way they need Neither. and so it's 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 definitely like taking on some some new Some new legs, which is exciting, (laughs) you know, but it it was originally I started it for my friends That was (laughs) originally what it was I wanted my other friends who were still skating to be in a
1: a good position when their career ended. Yeah, mate It sounds like there's so many layers to what you're doing now. And so like for people who uh, Imagine you're speaking to one of your friends Mm -hmm. who might not be preparing for the future for people who might be in that situation What are like some handy tips that they could take away?
0: Oh gosh, okay I'm going to think of the three things that probably changed my perspective on money in general. Um, one, most of us don't have eyes on our money, right? We know how much we make, we don't know how much we spend. And when you don't have eyes on your money, you don't know where money's going. It's impossible to make financial decisions on what's best. So, so what really helped me was creating a budget in the beginning so that I knew what the things I had to pay for were and what the things I ultimately wanted were. And, once you see the two you're able to find ways to put yourself in a better position to invest when you know what you're spending because you need it or what you're spending because you want uh discretionary non-discretionary once i had eyes on it i was able to take out of the you know buying a gavinci shirt or the new iphone 11 i could delay gratification on stuff like that which would allow me to have more money each month to put into investments okay right that was one uh two learning to invest in yourself is actually a, a big thing I learned, uh, because your greatest wealth building tool is your income, right? That is, that is the thing that allows you to invest. And the best return you're ever going to get is when you invest in yourself. So learning to take money, to invest in myself, to put me in a position to make more money, which then allowed me to invest heavier in different asset classes. So investing in myself was a big one. Uh,
1: Gosh, three. Just, just on that, while you're thinking of the third one? What's an example of how you've invested in yourself?
0: Oh, okay, that's a great question. So, when I was skating, uh, me and a bunch of guys uh, built a private skate park. Nice. So we built a place that we could go to and practice as much as we we want to master our craft, which would in turn uh, have our sponsors pay us more money. That was one way. It was like, okay, how can I get people to know who I am, or will I get better? How can I get better? I get a skate park. Now I'm able to invest in this to become better, to make more money. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing, uh, that, uh, webisode thing I was doing. Yeah.
1: Right. I looked at
0: away with the barracks. It was like, okay, I'm going to create something. I'm going to invest in myself, take away from skating to put myself on a bigger platform to create this video content. That's going to make myself more valuable. And then DC happened and I started making way more money. (laughs) Right. Um, that was another way. Now, you know, how I invest in myself now is a little bit different. Uh, primarily it's bringing people on to help me is how I invest in myself. So basically, you know, let's just say I have the opportunity to make a couple hundred grand, for example. Well, instead of giving myself the whole couple hundred grand, I would take a hundred grand for myself and I would split the 200 grand with two people and bring them on to either help with, I don't know, one thing, maybe an assistant yeah, or somebody else so that it makes my whole package more efficient so that the 200 grand will then become 400 which then will become a million and by doing that i'm able to get there quicker Amazing. you know yeah um yeah that's what i would say and then i would say three the big one is it's really easy to prepare for the future when things start falling apart the challenge is preparing for the future when you're on the rise or everything's going well because when everything's going well you think it's going to last forever so people don't really start planning until there's a sense of, holy shit, this might not work, right? So it's, it's basically this idea of taking advantage of opportunity when you're of influence or things are going well so that you can be in a great position when maybe things stop.
1: Mate, that's so good, man. Yeah, mate, we've ha- we've hit everything in this episode. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so, Mikey, I'm conscious of time because I know your meetings in 20 minutes. Oh, so, um, we do the same three questions at the end of every episode. You can keep these answers as short or as long as you want. Okay. But um, the first one of these is: Is there anything you've come across or discovered recently that you're particularly excited about? <sighs>
0: that's a good question. something that i've come across of recently that i'm excited about is it a personal thing or something i'm seeing in the
1: world could be anything i, I mean i normally say is it it could be a book a film you've watched it could be a series it could be a workout in the gym it could be a trick you've just done on your skateboard it could be a, mm. a destination you've just visited
0: mm, that's a good one gosh sometimes these questions are hard because they hit you and then you like uh i'll think about all these ones yeah. as i'm driving home <laughs> um You know what? This is, okay. I don't know if this is the right answer, but this is the one that came to my head. Okay. Um, for whatever reason, okay, so I went to this. Okay, gosh, this is actually going to go a little long. Uh, <laughs> okay. So when I was transitioning out of skateboarding, you're asking, like, things I was struggling with. When, When I was transitioning out of skateboarding was the hardest year of my wife and my marriage it it was on the brink of destruction essentially and she had this like last ditch effort like what can we do to get back on track signed us up for a marriage retreat right told me about it a week before we went because she was so worried I wasn't gonna go and we end up going and it was it was exactly what we needed not that that weekend fixed it but that weekend was just the separation that we needed to then go take the steps to move forward right and we've done it every year since. And this last one I was at, uh, one of the speakers was talking about uh, the relationship that we have the time, and that we don't value time in a way that it truly is. And he, and the example he gave, which has changed my perspective of kids, he was like, "Look, when you have a, when you have your kids, they'll be one years old, and before you know it, they're eighteen, and they're out of the house. It happens like that." So. When my kids want me to do something that I don't feel like doing, I envision a shot clock above their head, like a basketball one, 24 second clock, right? I envision that and I have it at 18 or 17 or however many years until they're out of the house. And it reminds me that they are going to be out of my house before I know it. And once I see it, then I'm like, okay, you know what? I don't care if I don't feel like doing this. I'm going to go do it. And just that new like kind of viewpoint of time has like really made it better for me to like if I get home and I'm tired and exhausted and my kids go daddy come run with us and I do not want to I think of that now and then I go do it and I'm so happy I did so I would say I don't know if that's the correct answer but that's something that happened in my life that uh has blessed me. So if, that, if anyone has kids, that's changed my life. Uh, use it, please.
1: Oh, mate, it's ama- It's perfect. It's oh. perfect. It's, it's however you take the question and it's an amazing, man. It, it resonated with me as well. So thanks for being so honest as cool. well by that. It's awesome. The second of these three is, if you had to give every listener one piece of advice for a habit to adopt into their lives that's going to make them better, what would that habit be?
0: <sighs> okay, so think a habit is going to be different for each person um i would say gosh man constant oh, how could i say? okay what i want to say is constantly trying to take on more responsibility but i don't know if that's the right answer because that's not a habit i would say a good habit to practice is gratitude yeah i think every morning having something that puts you in a in a state of mind of being grateful for what you have and not entitled uh, is a huge practice that then kind of really changes the outcome of what you're going to accomplish that day. Yeah, it really does. So I would say just taking time to just be thankful for what you have.
1: Mate, that's amazing. It's funny how quickly when you stop doing that, that you go back to like the entitlement and everything else. This is
0: the thing though. This is so funny. This is also something that I heard recently that I thought was so powerful. It's, it's a lot easier for us to be bad than it is for us to be good. It's actually hard to be a good person, right? Yeah. It's very easy for us to be selfish and whack and mean. Yeah. That's the easy stuff. So, like, just thinking about that, okay, if it's hard, it's usually good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh,
1: God. <laughs> we got hard work ahead. Yeah. All right, man. So, the last of these three is what's the key trait within Mikey Taylor that's got you to where you are today? Oh, sorry. I feel like I've got so much amazing stuff. I hit you with these hard questions. Deep ones. <laughs> um,
0: I think for me the number one thing has been not giving up. Yeah. I, I I think like looking back at at everything I was able to accomplish, it was not because I was ultimately great at it. It's because I just wouldn't stop. It it, 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 it it's. I think it's why I believe that success isn't. A matter of fact, it's just a time thing. When is it going to happen? I think because I've experienced that. Of, I am not willing to stop moving forward no matter what. So I, I maybe that's called resilience. I think that's the, yeah. basically the the skill set that's put me here is just the unwillingness to give up. <laughs> you know?
1: Oh man, I'm so glad that you haven't, mate. So thank you so much, and just congratulations for everything, man. You've done so many incredible things. Thank like you. you've achieved as an athlete, which every kid dreams of doing yeah and and you've gone on to do the same thing in business in in multiple businesses as well man so
0: thank you i appreciate congrats and
1: i think i think i just want to say as well like i've spoken to lots of people and as i've sat listening to you it's been one of my favorite conversations of every single one so i appreciate appreciate that thank you thank you all right cheers mikey thanks man
0: that was awesome
1: so there it is guys thank you so much for listening thank you mikey you absolute legend for all your advice all the stories there's so much there i normally do like a little breakdown of the things i enjoyed we talked about but there was honestly so much and i'm going to revisit that one time and time again if you enjoyed that you can subscribe on itunes and you can follow on spotify and if you loved it it would be awesome if you could rate the podcast give it a five stars if you thought it was worth it. And you'll get updates on all the upcoming episodes there were a further four episodes from my trip to la the next episode is a little bit of a contrast to the one you've just heard i went to inglewood towards the end of this trip and sat down with the grammy nominated singer-songwriter kevin mccall so you can look forward to that i'm recording this on a thursday evening in london it's getting later and later i need to get ready and pack because it's my birthday tomorrow and i'm going to rome and i can't wait So this will drop on Sunday and I'll be getting ready to fly back to London and then another packed week to follow after that. So I'm really going to try and enjoy my time away. There are so many exciting things happening in the world of Take Flight that will all be announced in 2020. But it's weird, it all seems to be happening at the same time. The stars are aligning. I was super proud to see that this week, for the first time, Apple actually featured the Take Flight episode we released last week, which was with the Paralympic champion, double Paralympic Champion actually Richard Whitehead who's such a lovely guy and really inspiring in his own right born with no legs and just done so much to inspire other people and make so much of his own life as well so it was awesome for the very first time 60 episodes into Take Flight getting featured on the Apple Podcast Carousel they call it and it will probably still be there now so you could check click on the Apple Podcast app especially if you're in the UK I don't think it will be featured on the US one but click on the podcast app and you can see Take Flight sitting there at the top. So that was awesome. Also doing loads of planning around events for next year and other stuff that hopefully people who are listening can get involved in next year. Some really fun things around events, uh, physical events as well, challenges and stuff too. And just generally loving the creative side of building things and watching people come and enjoy them as well as myself. So birthdays are a great time to reflect and it's been an epic year and I just wanna thank everyone who's been on the journey pretty much between the Ed Milner episode last year and the Mikey Taylor one this year. So such a great way to have the anniversary of that kind of tipping point where ed was on the podcast and kind of got a, a lot of exposure and more importantly people got a lot of impact from that from what ed said so an amazing way to celebrate that a year later with one that i really feel is equally as good if not better and i just hope that everybody enjoyed it as much as i did and i hope that you stick around and keep listening because there's some awesome awesome stories that are going to be coming up before the new year and some awesome stories coming up after the new year so with that said happy birthday day to me 32, not a clue. (laughs) trying to still figure it out. Kevin McCall is coming up next week and in the meantime, you can check out some of his songs. He also, he produced the song Deuces with Chris Brown and two In My Zone mixtapes with him. He produced No BS and a ton of other songs that are awesome, especially if you like R&B. Pretty much only if you like R&B. So please look forward to that episode and until next time, stay positive, stay motivated and take flight.